passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Cameron Lemons, Debro, back with another episode of Inside the Forest. Just to set the stage here, I'm going to talk about the NC State game last. But before that, I want to play a little bit of Mythbusters with the Louisville game. I don't think it's necessarily a good idea, nor does anyone really want a, a, a play-by-play of, you know, what happened every single drive of the Louisville game. But I do think some of the drives can be examined a little, a little further. And But I also want to just really take a take a few minutes to just kind of dispel the notions of some of these, some of these, the best way to put it is just theories of what, what, what did happen, what could have been avoided. Is this, you know, some sort of reworking needed for Wake Forest's team? The answer to that question is no. The, overall, this was just a house of horrors game that you got your asses whipped in. Dave Gawson, I would say he said, he would say, he said as much, but, I mean, he quite literally said that much. Um, Quote-unquote, first credit Louisville and Satterfield. Coach Satterfield, their staff and their players, they completely outcoached and outplayed us. They went both sides of the line of scrimmage and on the perimeter. It was a thorough ass-kicking. We have a good football team, but obviously I do not have us ready to go today. We have eight turnovers, and we're all with a team that is taking care of the football. We started getting loose with it at Army. We were loose with it against BC. It bit us in the ass today. You turn the ball over that much, you don't have any chance of winning the football game. On defense, I thought we hung in there for a while, and the turnover started mounting. We gave up two trick plays for touchdowns. There was a double reverse pass and the option pass. Just overall, it was lack of discipline. It wasn't, just wasn't Wake Forest football. You go to the turnover margin. Turnover like, you, like that, you have no shot. Credit to them. They're good at creating pressure, and they're good at creating turnovers. That was going to be the key to the game. We knew it. And we talked about it all week. They did it, and we didn't stop it. It's disappointing. We have a good football team. We didn't play well. I know what our football team is made of, and now we have to come back and prove it. So that's why I, I'm not on the sense of like, this is some sort of wildly 
this is a major lesson for Wake Forest where they need to rework the entire offense, rework the entire defense, the foundation of this team. You sat here and you hung in with a much better team in Clemson. And I think Clemson, I think everyone would agree, Clemson is a much better team than Louisville. They are much, they are a bigger team, they are a faster team. And you sat there and you held up well in protection. You, you caught the ball well. You could have done a better job of, of blessing DJ, of, of getting DJ off the spot. But you had 19 pressures in that game. You had five in this game. You all you had you all you did was have a nauseating third quarter. You had a third quarter where you, you turned the ball over six times. That is the game right there. You were moving the ball pretty well the entire game. So it's if it was a talent issue, if it was a scheme issue, if it was anything of the sort, it would have been exposed against a, a team like Clemson, and it would have been exposed against a team like FSU. The two teams that have exposed it have been that, that have that you've not been able to. I don't want to say exposed that I don't think it's for this, but the two teams that have given you issues this year have were a Liberty team that defended you pretty well, and this House of Horrors third quarter game against Louisville. Other than that, teams haven't been able to stop you on offense, and you've been pretty pretty decent on defense. So the 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 whole narrative of this is some this has been exposed or we got pants in this game. That's not accurate. I mean, it's not just me saying that. Go watch our, our friends over at Cover Three, the Mothership. They were both like, everyone like on the show was like, "Well, that was just a weird game for Wake." Okay, cool. I'd probably pick Wake again if I had the chance. And for me, I, I'm not some sort of. That's not who I have been. Not. Tr- tr- I, I feel like everyone knows at this point. I. I. That is not my job. My job is to call it as I see it. And like as I as I saw it was, well, you didn't you just got your asses whooped in the line of scrimmage during the third quarter during specific moments, and then it's what it is. I'm genuinely curious on like the adjustments that Wake could have made. I know there's been some, some there's been talk of you know you could have done this or this or this or this. So let's kind of walk through you know those those drives or the turnovers. I mean. You could have you could have had some quicker routes, I guess, but it wasn't like you were you were moving. It wasn't like you were turning it over consistently on the wake fifteen. The first fumble you had, you had already crossed midfield the play before, and you, you were moving the ball pretty well there. Second one, you were on the Louisville twenty four. Second interception, you were basically at midfield. Second pick, you're at the Louisville seventeen. You were moving the ball down the field doing the exact same things you did on the plays you turned the ball over. So it's not like this is some, wow, the offense needed to just go away from this thing because it wasn't working. It was legitimately working. There is, you cannot argue that it was, that it was not working. If you argue that it was not working, you, I don't think I need to trust you with in terms of what, of what's going on during a game. I don't think anyone would tell you that it wasn't working. They were moving the ball down the field pretty well. And you can look at it, the success rates. It wasn't like Wake was getting blown up the water success rate rise down and down. They were, they were doing just fine moving the ball. And then you kind of look at the, the routes, you know, what's going on here. Turnover one was, was a quick, was a quick out route to AT Perry. I mean, the cornerback made a good play. It was a poor throw. Those two combined pick six. Uh, turnover two, you lost, they lost a, Play before they lost a rep, even uh, being up six plus five um, in protection numbers. 
That means Wake was Wake had six people blocking. Louisville brought five people. Wake still lost that rep. Then the very next play, which the the, the sack strip happened, six v four. Turnover three. Uh, it's supposed to be. It was supposed to be a quick shot. You can see Sam trying to trying to earn the ball. Louisville just got home six v six. I mean, it's a it's a neutral number. Turnover four was. I mean, they were moving the ball, and Donovan Green just has it go off his face mask. Don't know. Don't know which one to change about that. Just got to catch the ball. Turnover five had two guys open and didn't pull the trigger. Didn't sense the guy coming off the, off the left side. He had enough time to throw it, but pulled it down. And then right after he pulled it down, got the ball, knocked out of his hand. Turnover six blocked well, poor throw. So, I mean, Wake had quick routes. They had adjustments in the off in the offensive line. I don't know exactly what more you want them to do. The, the, the two things that happened were, even when they made the adjustments on the offensive line, they were still losing positive numbers in the blocking game. I don't know what adjustments you want to make that say, all right, we're not, or either not throwing the ball quick enough. And that's not a, that's not a coaching thing, rather not throwing the ball quick enough, or we're losing reps up six before in the blocking game. There's no adjustments for that. The, the spread offense isn't this magical thing that that takes away pressure because it wasn't like Louisville was rushing six, seven players. I think we look at a game like Georgia Tech and, and Clemson where you can see, okay, cool, you know, Georgia Tech kept them on their heels. But it was because Clemson was rushing was rushing six, seven, eight guys a lot. Like they were rushing a bunch of people every every down. When you're doing that, cool, using this, using a spread and just kind of quick quick flares out, out to the to the boundary. That's how you do that. If a team's only rushing four and fanning out, you're not going to beat them simply just by just dinking and dunking the ball. They were beating them in the correct way. They were beating them in the, in the way of they, they were making plays and they were consistently moving the ball down the field. Then it just took one play to seriously derail the drive. So now the narrative of, of you know, this, there needed to be some massive change, adjustments there. no. You still were like it would be a lot different if I look at this. If you look at this box score and Wake had 230 yards and eight touchdowns, Wake almost outgained Louisville, and none of it is because is because garbage time. It wasn't like Wake put together, you know, three straight touchdown drives once the game's out of hand after after uh, after Sam's last pick six and they put in Mitch Griffiths in the backups. I mean. They did the they did the exact same thing of drive down the field and then fumble in the on the Louisville twenty nine like that like that is like like that was essentially what was happening in Wake Forest they would be getting these drives and then they would fumble it that towards the tail end of the drive so and you know it, they get a turnover and downs the next the next time they go down the field again to the Louisville fourteen. And an interception. This is the theme, like like this like this is the this is the theme. Is Wake was moving the ball well down down. You just had a pretty freaking terrible third quarter on specific plays. That is it. That is all. There is no sort of overarching quite overarching thing of you know this is where this team needs to change all this stuff if that's where with that's what your takeaway is from that 
I can't help you. You're allowed to have your own opinion. But at the end of the day, it's just not what actually happened. What actually happened was you just got beat on certain plays and it spiraled. And you got your ass whooped up front on both sides of the line. That's it. And that's all. Well, you know what you do the next week. You go in there. You see what you see what happened. You go, all right, cool. This doesn't happen again. And you move on. That's all you can do. There's, but there's no, there's nothing that, you know, Dave Boston's going to have to sit there up at night and go, yeah, I got to rework everything. There's no, there's no, there's no reason to. So it is what it is. Was it frustrating? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's always frustrating losing. It's always frustrating seeing everything that happens, but again, it's not, it's not like, it, it's not like this is some sort of expose on, on wake. Like, it, it isn't so I mean the biggest to me the, the biggest well the big issue was just again on, on the defensive line you got five freshers I, I know Rondell went down but you just you just didn't you just didn't play well like, that's just like it it, it all kind of comes back to this you didn't play well if you can't block 64 if you can't get pressure when you've been getting pressure all year you just had you just had a bad game you got you got your asses whipped and you had a bad game that happens more in football than we care to admit. I think we always want these, these eccentric things of, well, there's this fun game plan. You can't game plan for getting your ass whipped. Sometimes you just get whipped. And I guess I guess I I feel a little more stern and kind of more upset about you know kind of the narratives being built around there. Just because it's just not true. Like I I I I sit here and and, and try to do my best of just like thinking about all right, what's the best way to lay things out in a way that make that makes sense for everyone else? But if the, if the narrative you see is just people just not saying a truthful thing, then, you know, it's, it, it can get frustrating because what changed with Wake Forest's path moving forward after that loss? It's the only thing that changed a super, super, super outside shot at the CFP yeah, if Wake still wins their last their last four games, they're going to the Orange Bowl. Granted, that is if Clemson does win out. I think Clemson does win out, but they're saying if you know favorites win out, Wake Forest wins out. You are going to the Orange Bowl. You still can win the Mac Brown Cup and be the best team in the state. You still can be the highest ranked AP um, um, ACC team not going to the playoff. You you can. I mean, I know you dropped down the twenty in the AP poll. But I mean, you you go ten and two, you're getting you're getting back in the top ten. But every, like I'm not I'm not sitting here and saying everything is necessarily sunshine and roses. Everyone in that locker room and everyone on that team is pissed that that they just got their asses whooped. But it's not it your your season didn't change. Your season literally did not change from. What, what from what we thought it was on Friday to what we thought it was today. You are you can have the exact same. You can have, you're gonna have the exact same season. You have the exact same chance to to have the season you want to have and get to an Orange Bowl. You can get there at ten and two and not have to worry about anyone else. It is com- you completely hold your own destiny. That has not changed. So I just I just to kind of encourage, you know, take a deep breath. 
It's all, it's all good. Losing sucks. Trust me, losing sucks. I hate losing. I just freaking hate losing. But, again, this team's still 6-2. and two. They have winnable games. They'll be favored probably in three out of the four games. Um, we'll get the NC State, and they're favored in that game right now. But, yeah, they'll, they'll be favored in three out of the four games, possibly four, depending on how the game against NC State goes. But, so, yeah, so I don't, I don't necessarily – think this is some sky is falling you know now we're a basketball we're, we're, we're always a basketball school go for that start you know ignore the football team from now on no that's that's a loser talk I don't care about that um the team is still a really good team and they just have to go out there and prove it that's just that's just it you know expectations are, are raising and that's that's good for the that's good for the program that expectations are raising that you know, you can't come out of a loss and be like, ah, oh, we'll get them next time. But I just kind of encourage, like, hey, take a step back and go, okay, cool. You know, what what about their goals are still alive even after a loss? What changed after a loss? Nothing really changed after a loss. Just go back out there and keep working. Before we get into NC State, let's hear a word from our sponsors. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Rise and shine, football fans. This is Susanna Fuller from Morning Footy, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Galazzo Network covering the breadth of the global game. Join me, Nico Cantor, Charlie Davies, Alexis Guerreros, and guests every morning for the perfect blend of news, analysis, conversation, and exclusive interviews. If you love soccer, then look no further. We've got you covered for Europe's top five leagues, the W Gold Cup, the Champions League Knockout Stage, CONCACAF Nations League, NWSL, MLS, Transfer News, and much more. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Subscribe to Morning Footy. NC State Wolfpack, a game that I think everyone at the beginning of the year thought this was going to be a titanic match uh, uh, like a, a matchup with the titans we got this team that's just with acc play preseason player of the year devin larry you know in a very a bunch of defense i really love and I, I enjoy watching the nc state defense they fly around a lot the guys uh their linebackers are really fun to watch you know running a nice three three five stacks always a little weird to me but they run it well you know they start out the year with a nail biter for win against Eastern Carolina, East Carolina, then, you know, take care of business pretty well against Charles and Southern Texas tech and, and UConn and then come out, you know, at Clemson at game day. And I know the score was 30 to 20. It felt way more like an ass kicking than 30 to 20. It felt way more like an ass kicking. And, you know, then they get the Florida state game and that's where things start really going downhill they originally can't move the ball against Florida State that much, anyways. Then Devin Leary goes down. I mean, it, again, it, that there's no smile on my face saying that. While I didn't think Devin Leary should have been the preseason player of the year, and he's still a, a human being first and foremost, 
B, he's still, he's still a talented football player. I think he's hamstrung a bit by his offense coordinator. Uh, this is not a noted defender of Tim Beck. He, I, don't, I don't necessarily think that Tim Beck puts his people in the right positions, and I'm not alone in that thought. Um, and you just kind of – things start spiraling from there. So from the, from the time Devin Leary goes down to essentially the second half of the Virginia Tech game, NC State can't score a touchdown. NC State went seven straight quarters without scoring a touchdown. They got blanked by Syracuse. Didn't score at all um, in the in the in the second half against uh, second half against Florida State, and only could manage a field goal in the first half against against uh, Virginia Tech. Not like Virginia Tech, some defensive stalwart. And yes, it's hard. I, I made this point a few weeks ago. I think ninety nine percent of the FBS would be absolutely terrified if they lost their starting quarterback. I think the teams that would be fine with it are Wake, which is kind of wild to think in, this, in the grand scheme of things. Michigan would, I think Michigan feels like they would be fine. I mean, Penn State, maybe with Drew Aller. I know they, they think he's a future, but I, don't, I think they still might think he's too green. So I actually don't really want to put them there. So it's Michigan, Wake, and man, that might that might be about it. About teams that would feel not terrified if their backup went in, and I think that's something that's super undervalued in college sports. Is you know, I think everyone's like everyone's like, oh, you know, it's next man up, next man up. Some of these people just have like redshirt freshmen as their backup quarterbacks, and you know, not everyone has Mitch Griffiths. Wake is very fortunate to have had you know, the kind of dueling quarterbacks over the years. I think last year, last year, I still would have been fine with Mitch coming in. Um, I know they want to keep his red shirt, but I think they still would have been fine had he been thrust into things. Uh, I think 2020, honestly, was the only year that they would would have been terrified if something happened. 2019, you know, they have, they have Jamie and Sam. And so, I mean, we saw it literally when Jamie went down, he threw Sam in and they felt pretty good about it. So yeah, the last few years of quarterback's ability have been pretty good for, for Wake, and it's been great. And it's something that didn't that other schools like NC State don't necessarily have. I know MJ Morris went out there in the second half and lit things up. And you know, kudos credit to him for that. He needs to it, it's great. I know NC State knows a uh, knows a thing or two about a backup quarterback coming in and lining things up Thursday night in Carter Finley Stadium on, on ESPN. But essentially, I'm going to pump the brakes on there. I mean, especially because he is a freshman. <laughs> like he is, he he's got a long one. I think he will. I think he will be a very good quarterback. Carroll in Georgia, um, somewhat somewhat around my way. Not not very much, but I do know some people around there. Asked them about him. You know, after that performance, they were like, "Yeah, I think he's he's going to be good in the future. He's still got to get a lot of seasoning on him, which every quarterback does." You know, Caleb Williams, when he was a true freshman, still had some some shoddy things to work out. You know, that's just that's just part of being a freshman. You you grow and you learn. But the, the biggest thing that I am I'm a little worried about is, you know, that second half, it looked like the playbook opened up and you know, Morris was able to throw the ball down the field a lot more, which is something NC State doesn't necessarily do, given, you know, evidence of the last few years. There are three answers to what happened 
in that second half against Virginia Tech. Number one, Devin Leary wasn't good enough to make the reads and throws the last two years. Number two, Tim Beck waited until the season was on the line and they were down 21 to three to open up the playbook with a backup quarterback. Really their third string because Jack Chambers just did not look good. Number three, Virginia Tech just stinks anyways and loads the box the entire time, which forced Morris to have to do something else besides whatever they were doing. None of these answers are good answers. Answer one, if Devin Leary wasn't good enough, you put, that means you put, you put a Heisman campaign out here and did all these laurels for a guy that wasn't that good enough to, to make the throws that you needed to down the field. Because, wait, because, because they, did not, they didn't trust Devin Leary to throw the ball down the field. They just did not. Whenever Devin Leary did, it worked out well. But between him and there was, between whatever was going on, they didn't trust him to do that. I don't think that it, I don't think Devin Leary being bad was the, is the correct answer at all. I think Devin, I, I, I really don't think it's the, the best answer or the correct one. But if that is the answer, that's not great. Number two, Tim Beck opening it up with the season on the line. So you're telling me against Clemson, you're telling me against Florida State, telling me against Syracuse that you just did not want to cut the, the, the offense loose. I, I mean, the Syracuse game, I can honestly excuse that because it's your first time with the new quarterback on the road. Who was fine? But Florida State, before Devin Leary got hurt? Clemson on game day in a game that can essentially change your program? I know you beat them last year. You beat them this year. You, you're you sitting here getting all your, – you, your, your program changes at that point. Beating them on the road, your program changes. And you waited until – the second half of ET to open when you're down 20, really the in middle of the third quarter to, to open up the playbook. Again, I don't really think that's the answer, but if it is, that's a really bad look. You know, answer three that VT just is not a good team. And, you know, MJ Morris kind of did what he needed to do. I think that's more of the correct answer, um, which is still kind of, damning a bit that you couldn't move the ball against the VT team that everyone has been moving the ball against. It's, this isn't a, you know, like this, these types of teams, this types of teams, et cetera. Everyone's moving the ball. Everyone's moved the ball against, against Virginia Tech. Old Dominion did Boston college did for a bit through the air. And then that offensive line decided to suck West Virginia. Damn sure did North Carolina. Pitt, who seemingly doesn't have a pass offense, ran for seven touchdowns on you. Miami, whose offense is so anemic right now, put up 20 on you. Like, so you couldn't put up on you couldn't put up points more than three points on your own with running your normal your normal base stuff against that VT team. That's not good. That doesn't. I don't. I don't think this NC State team is necessarily good offense. I think. I think you have to take them seriously. I don't think this is a thing that you kind of chalk up to like Vanderbilt or anything like that. But I think the NC State team has a lot of questions to to answer. Uh, Wake Forest opens up as a three point favorite on the road, and I know people will be kind of a bit surprised as this comes out, I mean, this just, just came out. I thought the number was, was about fine. Um, I, I thought the number would be about two, maybe two and a half. 
so I'm not really too like a eager to bet it, but also be eager to say it's a bad line or anything like that. I think it's I have a line. The line makes makes a lot of sense. Again, I I don't think Wake <laughs> dropped much in pretty much any sort of projection ratings or anything like that. In and that's kind of, that's kind of, I know they dropped a little bit in SP plus. I think they dropped to 34th, but when you look at this team and you look at what happened box score wise, advanced stats wise, it wasn't like we sat there and got dominated down to down. And I want to make that abundantly clear because I think that's important is if Vegas and all the underlying stats are saying, Hey, you just turn the ball over. That's it. They're going to penalize you for that, obviously, but they're not going to tell you this is indicative of a really bad team. And I don't think, I think that's the sort of the idea that you should take that as well. Um, I'm now learning that Wick Forest is 0-2 whenever I don't throw up a Thursday podcast. So I will be putting up a Thursday night. I will put up a, a podcast coming up on Thursday. Um, I think we'll be having some state people on here. Always really excited to always talk to them. They're always a good group of people. Thank you guys so, so, so much for your support with this with this endeavor. I say this every week, but every week you guys give more and more support here, and it's really appreciative. Um, allows me to keep doing what I'm doing. And really, I'm really truthfully thankful for that. Make sure to wherever you can, uh, leave leave a five-star review, drop, drop some comments, show your friends. Really does help, really does help us out. As always, go Deeks. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Fantasy baseball draft season is upon us, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Sample, six times per week throughout March. Sleepers, breakouts, busts, live mock drafts, spring training updates, and everything in between every Monday through Saturday. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.